Welcome back to another episode of the N10 Puck Talk podcast. Myself, Joe, are here with you. And uh, we got a new kind of segment, I guess, we're doing for this episode. New idea from one of our fans who probably won't listen to the episode, but it's all right. He contributed in a, in a small way here. The Not So Awards. So this episode is going to be dedicated to the people who had awful seasons across the National Hockey League. Coaches, maybe even some management and some players for sure, though. The awards are going to be mainly focused on. But as we start off this episode, we're going to start off with the news first. And the first piece of news was the John Taveras incident that happened on Thursday night between the Maple Leafs and Habs, both our teams. We're both watching that game, and uh, yeah, it was just very bad news for John Taveras. Uh, he was diagnosed with a concussion, I believe, that night. And then Kyle Dubas came out today and said he also uh, sustained a knee injury that will keep him out a minimum of two weeks. But that's just the new—that's just the knee injury itself. The concussion, we don't know yet. It's indefinitely, but uh, what do you what did what did you see on the play, and what do you think about this whole incident? It's it's tough because you never want anyone to get hurt from that. Like even though obviously this is a huge like rivalry matchup, um, you never want to see a guy go like that, especially a guy like Tavares. Like he's so like well liked throughout the league and like and like through the fan base as well. And he's like obviously the captain of the team. And it was just such an unfortunate, like, accident that happened. Like, Sherratt kind of hit him hard. And then he was falling. And as he was kind of rolling over to, I guess, get up, Perry was right there and tried to jump out of the way and clocked him right in the head with his knee. And it was just tough to watch. They basically knocked him out almost. Um, and he was rushed to the hospital. Um, he gave the thumbs up, which is good. He was discharged from the hospital now they ran all the tests so he's you know there's no structural damage to his head neck or spine which is great it's just a concussion obviously now like you said the knee injury now i don't know if the knee injury was sustained there's people saying that Chirac kind of led with his knee for the hit like when he's kind of leaning in yeah um i don't know if it was from that or if some other people were saying that when he buckled again when he was trying to get up the first time and he like literally like buckled and his kind of knees were kind of spread out like that. Like it was kind of like a knee sprain. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure where it's from. They probably don't know themselves. It could have been from both or one or the other. But yeah, that's that's a tough, tough play for Tavares and the Leafs. Yeah, and there's some people online being the heroes they are and saying that, oh, Corey Perry did it on purpose. I don't see the case for that. Uh, we know Corey Perry history. <laughs> He's been a pretty dirty player in the past, but that's just like an accident. Like I don't know how you can call yourself a hockey fan and say that's actually like deliberate intent to injure Tavares. It's one of the fastest games on earth. And that was one of the fastest plays I've ever seen that turned out to be an ugly injury, but you know, the Leafs are going to have to really come together in this one because you know, they had Kadri lost two series in a row versus the Bruins a couple years ago, but that was due to suspension and being an idiot. We'll talk about that again, because that happened again in this Stanley cup playoffs. But the Leafs are going to have to come together, man. The Leafs did not play good on Thursday against the Habs. We watched that game. And it was just, obviously, Tavares' injury probably impacts that whole bench and, like, what what just happened. Because I know that happened in one of my uh, games that I played in uh, uh, the MHL in Mississauga. So, yeah, we weren't able to bounce back from that. And we actually lost the game because we didn't want to play and the league actually had to forfeit our game. So, but the Leafs incident with Tavares, that just shocks your whole bench. Simmons said it after the interview and uh, after the first intermission. But 
they're going to have to come together as a team and play very, very well against this Habs team that seems to not want to quit, right? So, Yeah, I, I expect them to come out much better. Like you said, like they came out flat in game one, but like the, the injury was like halfway through the first period. So like that definitely affected the whole team because of how, like I said, like he's the captain, mm-hmm. you know, well-liked in the room. Everyone respects John Tavares. And obviously when so that's something like that happens, you have to bring the stretcher out. And yeah. like just the way, like that whole thing, like he buckled, like he was like almost unconscious. Like that's tough. Like, and you can't really blame the players for that because it's like raw emotion. So like as a fan, like I would give him a pass for that game. Like I expect him to come out much better tonight. Um, so yeah, um, I, it's going to be tough because Montreal, I mean, carry price, like playoff <laughs> price is a real thing. <laughs> and I don't want to get like, I don't want to say too much because they Montreal is like a huge underdog still in the series, even though they're up 1-0. Um, but he plays when it when it counts. And we've seen that through other playoff, uh, you know, playoff series like last year. And then like with Team Canada, any tournament kind of format, like he plays his best. And that's why people still call him like the best goalie in the league, I guess you could say, just because he shows up in those big moments for the most part, even though like throughout the regular season, the last couple of years, he hasn't been great at all. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun series. I think it's definitely not even close to over. Like you said, no, it's only it's only one zero. Any everything could change tonight, and they got they got to play again Monday, Tuesday. So by next episode, it, the series could be over most could, likely. Yeah, right, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. The Leafs have adversity to face once again in the playoffs because we seem to run into that wall all the time. And this is back-to-back years that two guys went off on a stretcher for the Maple Leafs, Jake Muzzin last year versus Columbus, and obviously they sheared Tavares. So lots of things they have to do to get back in this one. But series not over. Hopefully Leafs can get a dub tonight. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Not a dub even close for the Colorado Avalanche this week. Although they're up 3-0 in the series, they lost their second-line centerman, Nazem Kadri, for being an absolute idiot. I have a Kadri picture right in front of me right now, and I like this player, but he just can't stay out of this crap. It's embarrassing. So he got eight games, uh, for people who don't know. Do you think that's fair, appropriate, too much, not enough? I don't know. What, What do you think? like you said this guy's an idiot now like enough's enough like if you're like management and you have to say it like you have to just accept that this guy will not learn um he's been suspended six times in his career three in the playoffs which is even worse so he's missed now including these eight games 16 playoff games would be total for suspensions but in terms of the eight game like i think it's fair because that's that's a lot like eight playoff games like the, the kind of the mentality is like what one playoff game is like two regular season games. So that's like 16 games essentially for that hit. Cause he's such a big repeat offender. Yeah. So I think eight games is more than enough. It honestly looks like Colorado is going to sweep the blues. So that could potentially put him out for the entire second round. Yeah. If that series goes seven, whoever comes out of the Vegas and wild series. So he would miss that whole series. Most likely if it goes seven, so I think that's a that's a very appropriate. This is like where I actually think the Department of Player Safety got it right. Yeah. Because again, this guy just does not learn. And it's mm-hmm. like constantly putting his teams at disadvantages. I mean, Colorado killed St. Louis last night without him because they're that good. But the Leafs, like those two series, he him not being him being suspended ultimately cost them both series, I would say. 
Because he is a good player, like you said, but he just always kills his teams with these stupid plays. Yeah, and I, I was going, like, I just remember from watching the Leaf series, like, okay, the first suspension, the Leafs were horribly losing. They already lost the game. I don't know why you need to do that. The second one was just retribution on Patty Marlowe who got hit. I think they were also losing that game or winning that game. And then this one, they were killing the Blues. They, why, why do you need to make these stupid plays that he does? Like, And I don't know if the eight games counts towards yesterday game, so maybe it's seven now or maybe, I don't know. It's probably still eight, but... You know, maybe the Colorado Avalanche, you know, they start to lose. He gets back in the next series. I don't know what they're going to do, but I honestly don't think the Colorado Avalanche care too much about this because they're just a good team with or without him. So he obviously helps. And, you know, maybe if they lose the Colorado Avalanche next round, is the blame going to be on Kadri once again? So I don't know. This guy, he's a good player. Just stay out of this crap. Like, I don't know why he needs to do this. Like, he just feels the need to hurt someone on the ice i don't know whatever this guy but yeah well i I like him just he's got to stay out of this crap in order to like stay i guess relevant i guess i don't know whatever but nah suspended again eight games for being an idiot basically so Uh, i believe justin falk was out last night i think he's gonna miss next game as well so that's a loss for the blues uh, on the back end they played two rookies yesterday so yeah contribution on both sides of the ice for the blues and the abs there and other series that could be on the brink, you named one, the Washington Capitals and the Bruins. This one is a, just took a curveball. Yeah, this one is one I'm very surprised it's 3-1 right now. Like, I mean, Washington won game one in overtime. They were the better team. They deserved to win. And then in game two, Boston scores like less than 40 seconds into overtime, whatever. So it was even. And then game three happens in Boston. It goes to double overtime. Elias Samsonov has played played great all game long, and then him and Schultz have such a terrible miscommunication behind the net. Craig yep. Smith picks it up and puts it in, and that just completely took the wind out of the sails for the Capitals. Ovi was absolutely livid on the bench. He broke his stick and was yelling. At, I think it was probably at Samsonov and Schultz, probably both of them. Mm-hmm. And then game four, they came out flat and lost 4-1, I think, or 5-1 yesterday to Boston. And right now the series is 3-1 going back to Washington. it's I don't know if they're going to come back to win this series. They might win tomorrow tomorrow during the day or tomorrow night. Um, but, man, I expected this to be – it's been tight overall other than game four. All the other games went to overtime. But that game three OT winner just – killed their momentum capitals i don't know if they can recover because boston is rolling right now yeah and that's i think the worst part of this whole series boston's rolling and you don't not want to get that team on roll because they're the big bad bruins as we all like to say so that series i thought like like you said i thought it was gonna be one of the closer ones in national hockey league to go to seven games and it definitely still could go seven games but i think the only way it does if washington just absolutely swings this like a curveball like i said before and you know they have a they have they have the ability to do it. It's just that is the Bruins going to stop playing? I know they're not going to stop playing. So Marshan, Pasternak, Bergeron are absolutely going off, and you know Tukaras is playing well as well. So this Washington team is it the last kick of the can? I don't know. Their players getting old. Ovi's a free agent this upcoming summer, for God's sakes, and nothing's happened on the contract talks there. So. You know, we'll keep tabs on that for sure. This would be a very big disappointment for the Washington Capitals as an organization. And, uh, yeah, so they just hired Peter Laviolette. Could go very much to nothing. So I believe 
the next piece of news is a one that's been like tailing for the whole playoffs is overtime. And, you know, I think we started off last week with three or four straight overtimes to start the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is a record, I believe. So, I mean, I, the only reason why I think that all the games are going overtime is because they played all the, te- all these teams like nine times. So they kind of know what to do in the third period and it kind of shut them down. No. Yeah, I agree with that. Like they, like they, they know each other so well, these teams at this point in the season now, and like, they just don't want to give each other an inch. Like we were watching the, the Nashville Carolina yeah. double overtime game last night, which was, it was four, four going into the third and none, no one could buy a goal through one and a half overtime periods. Duchesne ended up winning that one on a nice goal uh, with like five or six minutes left in the double overtime. So like, like you said, we've been kind of spoiled with all these overtime yeah. games, which is awesome because that's what playoff hockey is all about. Do or die situations in, uh, in games. Who's the hero? You know, it, it's awesome to see, especially when the home team wins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we've been so spoiled with all these <laughs> overtime games. It's been awesome to watch. One series that has been absolutely terrible to watch that went into overtime last night is Edmonton-Winnipeg. That series is so bad. Winnipeg's up 2-0 now after a pretty shit goal, to be honest. <laughs> no, you're right. From so, Paul yeah. Stastny from the, from, the, from the wall, throwing it on net through a screen. But that series is by far the worst. I mean, Montreal-Toronto is not much better, but that's only been one game so far. Maybe tonight will be a little bit more uh, – it was, it, was, it was high intensity, but, like, it's just not the same without fans. Yeah, yeah. Like, not even close. Yeah. Um, like I was even was flipping between other games during that Leaf Montreal game. So, I mean, the fans sucks. If this Leafs, uh, you know, Montreal series goes six games, there will be twenty five hundred fans at the Bell Center uh, for Game Six if it goes that far. Um, so that could be something. That's what I'm hoping for, uh, just to see some goddamn yeah. fans uh, for the Canadian teams. But yeah, these overtime games have been great so far. And there's been a lot of one-goal games in the National Hockey League this playoff. So, yeah, we're getting spoiled for sure. But I think we kind of deserve it because there hasn't been fans in the building all year, basically, for teams. So, yeah, the fans are definitely the biggest factor, I would say, in this playoff so far. Because, A, you have more fans in one building than the other building you're going to go to. Like, there's, I believe there was a sold-out crowd in Asheville. And then, and, and then in Carolina, it was also sold out. But then you see other series like Florida was all right and then tampa was really packed so i mean just the difference between canada and u.s right now is mind-blowing so you know hopefully the game's good tonight but yeah we've been getting spoiled with overtimes for sure so uh i think that's it on the news front just uh travis green re-upped his contract to a two-year deal with vancouver so he will be the head coach for another two years jeff blashill is also the head coach for another I, they haven't actually announced the years so I don't know how much that. Yeah, I didn't announce it. It's probably the same, maybe two years. Yeah, something like that. I, I wouldn't give that, that big of a leash to him already. So, and then obviously on the double IHF World Championship front, Canada absolutely uh, dropped a goose egg on Latvia. Latvia won two nothing, got a shutout there, and then the U.S. just lost versus Finland two one. So a lot of upsets in that tournament thus far. That also has to do with no NHL talent going forward. But at the same time, those other teams don't have even NHL players close to their roster. So. Yeah, big upsets, OT thrillers, but we'll get into the main part of the episode, the not-so-NHL awards. So this segment, obviously we talked about it last week at the top of the episode, brought to us by a fan of the show, 
doesn't listen, but it's all right. I mean, we don't care. We're going to use his idea and run with it. So basically, this is going to be about all the players who had awful seasons across the NHL. Uh, some coaching awards. I think we should throw in a management award somehow here, but I don't know. We haven't really talked about that, but uh, player awards. So we got the Art Ross, the Not-So-Art Ross, the Not-So-Norris, the Not-So-Vesna, the Not-So-King Clancy, the Masters Award, so the biggest plus-minus in the NHL. And then we have, what other ones? The Not-So-Calder, the Not-So-Jack Adams, and the Not-So-Bill Masterton. So I think I got everyone right. And then we got a Cy Young Award for most goals and least assists. So in baseball, obviously, you get more wins. You get... Uh, you get um, if you have the minimum, if you have more wins, you get more in the wins column, and then you have more losses, you get more in the loss column. It's basically easy to follow. But I guess we could start off with the biggest award that we're gonna name. So this is basically like kind of like a jokes episode, jokes idea here we're doing. So the not so art Ross. Me and Joe don't know at either's uh, picks for the award, so maybe you have the same. But let's get it started with the not so art Ross. Who do you have tabbed as a not so art Ross winner in the 2021 season? All right, so this one's like not like a huge slam dunk. Like we had to really kind of look at the stats to kind of do the raw specifically because it is kind of tough. You have to yeah. look at games played, like in injuries play a factor. So we're looking at guys that have played like at least eighty-five to ninety percent of the games of to like qualify for these awards. So mine is not like a huge, huge kind of like uh, noticeable guy, and that's Ryan Johansson of the Nashville Predators. I always harp on this guy. Okay. It's because he's making, he's been making $8 million, <laughs> like stealing $8 million from Nashville for the last like three or four years where he's, all he does is get assists here and there. But this year he only had 22 points in like 50 games for supposedly their first line center. And again, Nashville is a playoff team and that they managed <laughs> to get into the playoffs with him and Duchesne doing nothing all year, basically. Well, other than Duchesne scoring that nice OT winner last night. So that's why they got him. But, I mean, Johansson, this is just regular season. He had seven goals in, like, 50 games. This is a guy, again, we keep saying this. He had back-to-back 30-goal seasons with Columbus back in the day. He went to. He was really good for them his first couple of years. They went to the cup final. Yep. Um, and, he, and he was, again, making $8 million. <laughs> and he, he barely cracked 20 points as the first-line center, plays power play plays you know overtime all that stuff and he just did nothing this year again so i'm gonna have ryan johansson again this is not like a huge kind of no, slam dunk because our ross is kind of difficult to to uh award here yeah okay when when you started off with the harping on the guy i thought you're gonna attack the guy i was picking and the guy i picked we mentioned him multiple times when we talked together and on the podcast it's Patty Marlowe. It's got to be Patty Marlowe. <laughs> Nine points in 56 games. He played all of them. I mean, way, way worse than Ryan Johansson for sure. But the quality of player, I would say Ryan Johansson's better. But he's also stealing eight sheets, so I don't know about that. But Patty Marlowe, man, I mean, you talk about a guy who didn't do anything this year, and that's him. I mean, the only thing he did was the, the milestone of passing Gordy Howe. That is it. So nine points in 56 games played. Um, he's definitely that Art, Art Ross winner. Like you said, it's tough to award a guy who basically he's going to, they're going to get points just it's based on the quality of player and where they're in the lineup. So yeah, Patty Marlowe for me, Ryan Johansson for you. Let's move on to the next piece of hardware we got. And it's the not so rocket award. So I'll go with this one. We'll just flip throughout this uh, award segment. 
the not so rocket award. It's not a forward who usually wins the rocket. I'm going to go to a defenseman here. This guy played 52 games. He is Joe's lookalike. We like to say Dylan DeMello of the Winnipeg Jets had zero goals in 52 games. I believe last year he had better than uh, zero goals in 52 games. I just can't remember the number, but talk about a guy who was signed for three sheets and did basically absolutely nothing for that team to help them. Uh, that's just Dylan DeMello for sure. Uh, yeah, zero goals doesn't help. I know defensemen aren't supposed to score every night, but zero goals in 52 games. So that is my not so rocket award winner. Who is yours? I have one that's here as well, but he's actually had a solid season. It's also a defenseman, and that is currently in the Boston Bruins, Mike Riley. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, he had played 55 games, 27 assists, which is yeah. actually not bad. He was on Ottawa most of the year, but zero goals <laughs> again. Like, yeah. come on. Like, again, like he's not making too much. He's a defenseman, but he is an offensive defenseman. So he's not like Dylan DeMello, where DeMello is obviously not known yeah. for his offense. Like Mike Riley's supposed to be a puck moving offensive, more offensive mind defenseman. And he had zero <laughs> goals this year. Again, 27 assists, so not bad. But again, this is goals. This is a Rocket Award. So I'm picking Mike Riley from currently on the Boston Bruins for this award. Yeah, but zero who's the goals. other guy? I, I had a forward here as well. And it's a guy that was supposed to score a lot of goals. But I realized that I, w- I could have picked someone who actually had zero. So <laughs> I'd, I'd line it here because he had 12 goals in 48 games for the Columbus Blue Jackets and, I guess, the Winnipeg Jets as well. And he was supposed to provide goals. He had six goals in his first 10 games with Columbus, and I think he had two in his last 25 with Columbus. <laughs> so this is a guy that was making almost 7 mil. He's an RFA, and we have no idea what's going to happen with him. Is he going to stay in Columbus? They just extended Yarmo Kekalani. They brought back John Davidson as president of Hockey Ops. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. But I did have him as my forward just based on like expectation and like potential. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, you're wrong. You're definitely right on that one. But we pick guys with zero goals. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, the guys who can't really score goals. We're going to the Vesna, not so Vesna award. We definitely have the same guy here. I don't know if you went off the board here, but yeah. Definitely didn't go off the board. Yeah. And that is Philadelphia starting goaltender yeah. Carter Hart. He yeah. was like literally by far the worst no, goalie in he the was. league this year. Like, I don't know what happened. I really don't. The guy looked like Carey Price in the bubble last year, <laughs> literally beat him and had like a sub two goals against, like a 950 save percentage. Comes out this year, flyers with lots of expectation to, you know, go on a cup run, mm-hmm. didn't even make the playoffs. Uh, and Hart basically got shut down the last like two, three weeks of the season with a knee issue. He had like an 850 save percentage this year, which is the worst of all goalies who played, I think, 25 games. Yep. Uh, he his advanced analytics were terrible. I know I don't like bringing them up too much, but he allowed basically more goals against, like, based on like high danger chances than anyone else in the league. Some of that has to do with Philadelphia's terrible defensive play, but my God, that was mm. terrible. And yeah, we ha- I had to put Hart. I'm sure you have him as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's definitely him. He was the worst goalie in the National Hockey this year, stat-wise. Uh, goals against average and save percentage. With goalies playing 15 games or more, he's the worst. So 
Yeah, I mean, just a forgettable season in total for the Flyers, but especially Carter Hart. Yeah, okay, so that's the not-so-Vesna. We both have Carter Hart. The next one is the not-so-Norris Award, and I'll start this one off. It's your boy. He actually won a Norris Trophy, believe it or not. I That was so long ago. It's P.K. Subban for me. 19 points in 44 games this year, minus 16. I mean, with the breakout of Lindsey Vaughn, you know, the workouts in the offseason, you think this guy would be dialed in, and no, he's just, no, no, he's done. He's uh, stealing nine sheets as well from the New Jersey Devils. Actually, sorry, it was the Nashville Predators who gave him that. And so the Nashville just keeps bringing out bad contracts to these guys who just fall off a cliff for some reason. But he's on the Devils now. He should be their best defenseman. He is literally probably their fourth or third best defenseman. So P.K. Subban, definitely deserving of that award. I'll let you go with your next one uh, with the Norris, but I have a runner-up for the one, so just go first, and I'll do the same line after. Yeah, I'll put my winner, and I have another runner-up. And it's funny because you're both on the same team. So my <laughs> winner for the Norris is good old Mark Edward, Team Canada Vlasic. <laughs> he... Is he's he's makes PK look like a charity donation if that guy's <laughs> stealing sheets. This guy is making seven and a half million until for the next like three or four years. Uh, he had six points in 51 games and is making again seven and a half million. He was minus seven and is averaging 17 and a half minutes of ice time. This is a guy that literally played for team Canada multiple <laughs> times and he literally is like the sixth defenseman on his team now. Yeah. And literally I, I'll just say my run up. It was literally his teammate, Eric Carlson, who is not, not even close. He's done. Uh, I, I don't think he's ever coming back. That same Eric Carlson that we once knew he's going to be, I think he's just turned 31. Eric Carlson did. Uh, he had 22 points in like 50 something games plays the plays a lot more than Vlasic yeah. as well. So he's my runner up. And uh, yeah, so San Jose, uh, it might play into our managerial award for uh, who's going to win that one. But yeah, Vlasic, again, obviously he's not supposed to provide offense. But yeah. again, six points in 51 <laughs> games. Come on. Yeah, that's that's not ideal for a, a guy maybe kind of paired with Burns. And Burns gets a lot of points. And obviously, we could have named the whole San Jose uh, freaking defense score, for God's sake. Yeah. So, uh, my runner-up was David Savard. He just got traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but man, did he have a bad year on Columbus. I don't even know how they gave up a first for him after seeing a stat. So, yeah, David Savard's my nom- or my runner-up for the Norris, and P.K. Subban was the winner, and Mark Edward Vlasic was for you. Let's move into the not-so... Can we go to... Yeah, let's go not-so Jack Adams. And like you said for the San Jose creeping thing, yeah, I'm going with Bob Ubner. I mean... All that talent, like, and yes, there's no denying. They have talent, the San Jose Sharks. They have a Vander Kane. They have Thomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc. And that's just the forward group. And then you have on defense, Burns, Carlson, Vlasic. We named all these guys. And yes, they have Martin Jones tonight. He's not very good. But if he gives you average goaltending, Bob Bugner would not be nominated for the not-so-Jack Adams. I mean, he got a second shot in the NHL. Uh, he was on the Florida Panthers coaching as the head coach. He got a second shot here when he was assistant. They made him the head coach. And boy, has he not even taken that uh, as an opportunity there. So that team was so good to watch and fun to watch two years ago when they made it in the, I believe, conference finals in 2019 versus the, uh, the Blues. And they've taken 
500 steps back from that moment. So <laughs> that is a tough job to take for Bob Bugner and their manager, obviously their general manager could win the GM award for God's sake, but yeah, it's just a not great scene in San Jose Sharks uh, land right now. But who do you have for the not-so-Jack Adams? So I have someone that's very surprising because he's actually a really good coach, and that's John Tortorella. This year was a complete disaster for Columbus after they literally took out the Leafs in the bubble and played pretty tough against Tampa, even though they lost in five. They had that five-overtime thriller. They were, like, honestly solid. And then all it's all of a sudden, right before the season – Dubois wants to get traded. The guy looks like he doesn't care. They make the trade for Line and Roslovic. It doesn't work out. And he's trying to make Line like a power forward when he's clearly just a guy that needs someone to feed him the puck, which Columbus doesn't really have right now, even though they traded for Max Domi. Uh, <laughs> they just couldn't get the best out of any of their players whatsoever, especially the guys that they brought in. Uh, Seth Jones had a terrible year. Mm-hmm. It was just an all-around terrible year for Columbus and Torts, who again is a is a good coach. Otherwise, who's who? Obviously, they parted ways. Who knows who's going to coach next season? Maybe he'll take a year off. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I have John Tortorella for the Jack Adams just because of his pedigree and the fact that they were uh, they had some good moments like last year in the bubble, and even the, I think they were going to make the playoffs. So they were right on the cups last year before the COVID pause. So. That's my Jack Adams award winner for this year. Yep, solid picks. Um, we can go to the not-so-King Clancy award, and this is awarded actually in the NHL to the best uh, leadership qualities around the league. So I don't know if you went with a captain, but I went with a captain. I think it was the most obvious captain I picked, but you can go first with yours. All right, so this one was a bit tough to kind of t- uh, determine because I'm going based on the player's pedigree, where the team's at, and uh, performance on ice. And I'm going with Anaheim Ducks captain Ryan Getzloff. He is like no, he is like worse than Corey Perry now at this stage <laughs> of his career, which is honestly something that <laughs> you should have shamed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That shouldn't be something that I should be saying. But Perry <laughs> literally had a better year than Getzloff this year. Uh, you know, and this is when Corey Perry got bought out, and everyone thought he was finished. He obviously is not the same player. He's a good fourth liner now, Perry. But Getzloff, he had five goals and I think 48 games. I mean, the guy's making eight sheets. I believe he's at UFA after this year. So who knows what's going to happen with him. I think he only had like 17 points, if not less. Um, So again, he had like 17 points, like almost 50 games. I know he's getting up there in age, but man, that is absolutely brutal. (laughs) And again, this is a guy that's supposed to be, you know, captain, help make the, the young guys better. But he is like holding the team back at this point of his career. So I have him as the King Clancy Award winner. Yep. And then I'll go to the other uh, conference, and I'm going to pick Jack Keiko, the Buffalo Sabres. You talk about a leader on their team who just, I mean, just really just messed messed up that team and rattled that team to the core. It's Jack Eichel. Um, He's a great player, top 10 player in the league when he's on his game. But this year, I can't give him any, like, passes or anything. He got injured, not his fault, obviously, but then basically kind of quit on the team. Uh, and saying in the press conference, yeah, I'm done with this team. And I don't blame Jack Eichel at all for that. Your team's not good. The managers, you've had like 700 coaches since you entered the league. You've had three or two GMs. But at the end of the day, you're the captain of the Buffalo Sabres, and you did not have a great year as well. So Jack Eichel as a whole did not 
I think he's one of the players that we're naming off this list for of all the awards. He's one player I think he just wants to forget about 2021 and the 2020 end of the season when COVID shut them down because people forget they were like two points shy of the playoffs and basically got canned from it because it was 24 teams. So, yeah, Jack Eichel, tough, tough past two couple seasons. So, for sure, Jack Eichel for me. Solid um, Then we can move into the not-so-calder, and this is the awarded to – the rookie of the year in the actual NHL, but for us, it's the probably one of the worst rookie seasons uh, in the National Hockey League. And I'll go first. You're familiar with this guy. He's on your team. I'm going to go with uh, Alexander Romanov. I mean, talk about the hype that came into this season for this guy. Only put up six points in about 50 games. So, I mean, you, you heard the hype too. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just people in Toronto. It was around the league. Uh, this guy is going to come in and step in. As maybe Montreal's number one. And then you talk about Jeff Petrie having a good year. Weber wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. And then Rom- Romanoff kind of under the radar. He was scratched for game one of the series. Looks like he's going to be a scratch again for game two of the Toronto-Montreal series. But, you know, I expected a lot more to Ro- Romanoff uh, this season for sure. And, you know, six points doesn't really uh, grab my attention from him anymore. But, hey, you could go off next year in a sophomore year. But... Yeah, I just thought a lot the expectation was for him to go off this year, and he obviously didn't. But I don't know. Do you agree on that one? or I do agree because I also have him. Oh, really? <laughs> I do. Yeah, he was terrible all year. I'm not okay. going to sugarcoat it. Uh, he obviously is a rookie defenseman. Fine. He could skate. He, could, he lays out the body, so that's something that yep. he's really good at. But yeah, like you said, I thought he was going to bring in a lot more offense and he provided literally zero. <laughs> he had the same exact same stats as Vlasic, who we just listed here. <laughs> one goal, five assists for six points. At least he was a plus. He was a plus one or two or something. Um, but yeah, he was playing third pairing minutes all year. Couldn't make any sort of impact whatsoever offensively. Defensively had his, you know, his uh, moments here and there. Some good hits, some good plays. But yeah, like I thought, like again, like they made it seem like he was gonna step in, play the first pairing with Weber or something, and that just did not happen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they'll turn it around. He's only twenty-one. Yeah. Again, the Calder—it's just—it's just all rookies. We, we had a lot of other guys we could have put here as well that were way more hyped than Romanov. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he did not impress me whatsoever, and he does—he deserves to be scratched. To be fully honest, for this series, unless there's an injury that happens tonight or something, but. <laughs> yeah, um, I expect a lot more. He has the skating. He has the, the he has a good like. I've watched a lot of games. He has a good breakout pass, but he just couldn't get any points. Make some <laughs> dumb mistakes in his own zone. That's gonna come with a, a rookie defenseman. Yeah. But yeah, he was pretty hyped f- for Montreal fans. Uh, I guess you could say like on Twitter and stuff. I wasn't like super super hyped on him. Cause I, I mean, he's just a defenseman and he's not like, I knew he wasn't going to be like a big point guy, but he really uh, mm-hmm. underestimated my expectations of, I thought maybe could have cracked 20 points, yeah. he cracked 10. Like <laughs> that's tough. So yeah, very tough news for there, but yeah, I'm, he's going to be fine. He's 21 years old, like you said. So I think it'll be good there, but next award is the not so Bill Masterton and I will let you handle this one first. So the Bill Masterton is awarded, first of all, to the guy with uh, perseverance, sportsmanship to hockey. But I think we're kind of flipping the script in a way here and saying that the Bill Masterton is going to be like, I don't know, just like the worst like off-ice thing that's happened to this guy that um, obviously kind of filtered into his game on the on-ice side. So who do you have winning this one? 
I actually have something you actually said already, and that's Jack Eichel. Because before the season even started, the guy had a cracked rib. <laughs> and then, for some reason, was not playing well, and then had the neck injury, and then just... He could have honestly probably came back if he really wanted to. But they shut him down. Like they, He got basically no information on his injury yeah. or any sort of clearance until after the season was done. He was basically <laughs> done playing in February. Yeah. So that's like the opposite of dedication to hockey. Again, he had a tough <laughs> year. <laughs> um, didn't really care to kind of come back or work his way back into game shape. I know, again, like injuries you can't really control, but like, yeah, it just seems like he's so done there. Like he didn't kind of want to try to like either play through it or get help immediately to kind of come back at any point. Like, you know how Tyler Sagan did, like Tyler Sagan would be a guy that you could potentially, I mean, he only played three games, but he had some awful surgeries. He managed to work his way back, tried to get Dallas into the playoffs. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but that's something that you could kind of look at saying like, wow, this guy yeah. really worked his ass off to get back. Um, Eichel didn't do that. Again, I don't really blame him because the Sabres are the worst franchise in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So that's just my kind of view on it for the Masterton. Yep, and then my recipient and winner of the Masterton Trophy is a guy who's been in the news recently. We know who he is. It's Yevgeny Kuznetsov of the Washington Capitals. You talk about a guy who basically has no dedication to hockey, and this is the example of him for sure. Um, Years ago, suspended from the Russian national team. I believe he can't take part in the three next tournaments the host are, are, are in. That's already one strike. The next one is he has COVID, was together with Samsonov, himself, Ovi, and another Russian player. I think it was Orlov, it might have been. Yeah. I forgot, but it doesn't matter. He was out for, again, two weeks, three weeks there. And then he got COVID again (laughs) and then missed another month. And then he's not really dialed in at all in the playoffs. Like, he, I think he has zero points or something like that. So, Evgeny Kuznetsov is the perfect example of a distraction in the NHL and... You know, the drug use in the past, the picture of cocaine with him in the hotel. It's just this guy, man. I, I like such a great player. Just since that 2018 cup run with the uh, Washington Capitals, he has not been the same player and person for that matter. So, yeah, if you talk about a dedication to hockey, this guy is the opposite of that. So, yeah, that's a great pick. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks that I'm bashing on the guy, but he is a great player. Just. The off-ice stuff is clearly getting in front of his uh, on-ice stuff. So Yeah, honestly, it's like costing the team. That's too. true. Yeah. They, they also have a lot of Russians. Terrible. Yeah, they yes. have a lot of Russians. Yeah, so oh. who knows what's going to happen. Maybe there's some rumblings. They might not even protect him for Seattle. That'd be crazy. And then he turns it on Seattle lookout. Yeah. All right. So I think we have – do you have a winner for the not-so – uh, what's the GMO of the uh, GM of the year called? Yeah, I already have one in mind. I kind you of already alluded to it. Okay, go ahead. You say it. All right. It's my man, Dougie Wilson, of the San Jose Sharks. He is, he just handed out eight, eight by eights like it was free <laughs> candy. Uh, the, again, he signed his captain, Couture, who is a decent player. Again, eight years, eight million after 30. Brent Burns, same thing. Eric Carlson gave 11 and a half. The guy should be worth 3 million uh, for eight years. Vlasic seven by seven or something like just terrible contract after terrible contract. 
they got to that cup final 2016, didn't get it done, got to the conference finals a few years ago and have literally been in free fall since. <laughs> and their players are not getting any younger and it just looks like a disaster there. Yep. He's been there forever, Doug Wilson. He's kind of like David Poyle. He kind of came up with the franchise. They were expansion. He played for them, I believe, as well. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think he did like later in his career. So I have Doug Wilson just because all these contracts, they have all that skill there, and everyone just looks <laughs> like they hit 30 and shit their pants. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, dishing out eight by eights just like candy, that's an issue, I think. <laughs> that's a very bad issue. But I guess my not-so-GM-of-the-year award is going to be Bradshaw Living of the Calgary Flames. I mean... You talk about a guy buying into the system and buying players in the free agent market, basically bought all of Vancouver's roster. This guy definitely deserves this award. Um, let TJ Brody go to the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and then brought in Chris Tanev. And Chris Tanev wasn't a bad player for the Calgary Flames this year, but just like the like you could have kept this guy for the same amount of money than the guy you brought in, right? It just doesn't make sense. And then the six-by-six six contract he gave Markstrom didn't work out this year. I think Markstrom's going to bounce back next year, but just the whole surrounding of the Calgary Flames this year was not positive at all. If I had a great, and if I if I had to grade his work in the Calgary Flames work this year, it's definitely in the D's. I mean, they did not. I expected them to be second in the North Division for Christ's sake, and <laughs> they were like second last. So, yeah, this guy. I mean, I think his time's up as a GM for the Calgary Flames. Uh, just too many more mistakes. You bought in guys. You didn't use your money well. It's just the same story year after year. And I feel bad for Flames fans, honestly. It's very tough to watch because there's no direction for that team at all. And the last two years have proven that. They were on a high and won the conference in 2018-19. The next year, they go basically like strangle themselves into the bubble, win around, And then this year, they just fall off a cliff in an easier North division. So, yeah, I think he's got to be out of there, but... Calgary Flames and uh, Brad Living definitely deserve this award here for the not-so-GM award. Good pick, good pick. I think his times there is done as well. All right, and then I guess this is the last word, and this is a this is a, the kind of – well, there's two more, but, yeah, we'll go with the the next one. That's the Masters Award, and if you don't know what the Masters is, well, that, I don't know what you're talking – I don't know if you're listening to the right thing right now, but it's basically golf, the biggest or the lowest score – and uh, golf, so you're the minus. And the winner of this year's award is Rasmus Dahlin with a minus 36. He would have tortured the Masters this year for sure. But, yeah, I mean, all the Buffalo Sabres, I think, were there in the top 10. <laughs> so let's talk about a defensive team like that. So minus 36 for our boy Rasmus Dahlin. Could have been in the Norris conversation maybe, but I don't know. That's pretty too harsh on a guy. But... The last award we have here is the Cy Young Award. So basically, an example of this was a few years ago, Brandon Peary had 22 goals and two assists, and he won the Cy Young Award that year for the NHL. It's not actually an award. We're just making it up because, you know, most wins to losses ratio. And um, who do you have winning the Cy Young Award this year for the National Hockey League? I have another Montreal Canadian winning it, and he scored in game one, and that is Josh Anderson, who only finished with 24 points this year, which is not good. However, he did have 17 goals, which is not too bad considering the injuries that they had to the lineup and all the lineup changes first year on the team. Uh, he had 17 goals and only seven assists. 
uh, this year. So a not too bad goal scoring season overall. Uh, he had some dry spells here and there, but I was overall not. Uh, I was overall pretty satisfied with him. Obviously, Happy scored the other night, but uh, that's who I have for my Cy Young. I do have a runner-up, but okay. you should list your winner first. Yeah, I also have Josh Anderson. <laughs> I saw that stat line. I was like, that's crazy. And I also digged into it. His last assist is April 14th. That's pretty good. <laughs> but he's, he's bread and butter's goals and what he's doing. He's potting goals. So, I mean, you can't really complain there. But I guess I have another runner-up. It's Miles Wood of the New Jersey Devils. He had 16 goals, I think eight or seven assists as well. So, strong, strong candidates for the Cy Young. Yeah, my my runner up was Frank Petrano. He had 18 goals and eight assists. <laughs> so for the Florida Panthers, who are better than Montreal, so I was gonna put him, but I'm like, you know what? I'll just put Anderson. Might as yeah, well. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So that's been the not so NHL awards here on Intent. Uh, we'll definitely do the actual real ones and predict them when they get closer to the awards segment of the National Hockey League when the playoffs are over and that's all said and done. So good, good idea from our boy Chuck Puck there, boys. Yes, let's go. Big shout out to uh, Lad there. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for the episode. Unless, well, I don't think we're going to actually go through the hard hat, the golden plunger, and what you say, because we're in playoff mode now. I think it's very tough to kind of pick a hard hat in like three games, especially when maybe players aren't dialed in. But if we had to give one, I think it's Nathan McKinnon for sure. I mean, this guy just is dialed in once again in playoff mode. Um, Battle of the Buds, I think we're just done with that because that's regular season. But do you have a spicy meatball right now? I don't know if you do because we've been focused on the not-so-awards this uh, episode. But if you have one, I guess, go for it. All right. It could be related to our not-so. And that is uh, my Art Ross winner will be left exposed for the Seattle Kraken to take. And that is Ryan Johansson. That's a tough one. I mean... Just so they can clear uh, the eight million, they'll still have Duchesne at eight million as well. So, how about this? They either not protect one of them, so either Duchesne or Johansson will not be protected. And they do like that route where you could do the the defenseman they protect because they'll protect Josie Ellis at home. I think they Fabro? have to protect Fabro now, and then they have to protect Soros, obviously. Oh yeah, no then. Arvidsson, Forsberg, they have to protect Duchesne, I guess. Fia, uh, not Fiala. What's his Tolvanen? name? Tolvanen. So one of those guys will be exposed. Doesn't mean Seattle will take them, but they'll be okay. one of them will be exposed. Yeah, I'll, I'll say yeah. Um, just for the fact that I think they have to protect four defensemen here, and then the only way they can protect four is if they protect four forwards, and they really have to choose wisely who they're going to protect on forward. Mm-hmm. I think they basically know their guys now. They're basically in sell mode. And I think one of the guys in sell on the selling market was actually Duchesne. So, you know, whether a, a thing gets done with him, uh, I don't know. But one of them will be unprotected. Doesn't mean, like you said, doesn't mean Seattle will take them, but one of them will be unprotected for sure after the years they had, the sheets they're making are just ridiculous. So, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. I did nicely. All right. So that's been. And to end this episode, I believe episode 19 of N10 in season three. Um, any last notes, last words for you before we wrap up the episode? Uh, I'm still doing my uh, MLB fantasy pickups and drops uh, every Monday or Tuesday. They come out. So keep a tabs on that and just keep enjoying playoff hockey. It's 
been great so far for the most part. <laughs> yeah, the MLB weekly updates helped me big time last week for sure in our fantasy. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Playoff hockey's on and it's dialed in for sure. The U.S. teams are very much better to watch. Just the atmosphere of the game just feels so much real than what we're watching in Canada for sure. So basically keep tabs on the United States games because those have been way better. But that's been it for Intent. We will be back next Saturday in the next one. Woo!